it's the proudest day and the proudest time and the seat of a relic here because that day and that hour and those minutes I got the butt between my teeth you know I really stood up and was counted and said this is not getting away I remember when we pulled on our helmets and Donald says to me what are we doing I said we're going for gold Barrett that's all we said I can still picture that run that was just the best best run ever Crunching Gears, the rally podcast, uh, the Dundee Motorsport Part 2. Uh, what can we say about Part 1? Uh, the response has been just out of this world. Um, unbelievable the amount of views, downloads, all these different things. Please continue to like, share, rate, all those things make a huge difference to the podcast. It is great. That is great. Um, please, please, please keep it going. Um, Connor, we are blown away by the response to this, haven't we been? Oh, it's been fantastic, genuinely. Like we knew that um, the story would be of interest, uh, you know, but uh, you know, catching up with with Charlie and Eugene and that, and we knew, you know, the, the big following. Um, but kind of we've been a bit surprised, or maybe more accurately, blown away by how how you know how much um, interest there's been in this story. It's incredible. Yeah, and like Paul with his drive, what you know, the the lines he can throw in, it's just. It is something else. It really is. And if you thought part one was good, I think this is going to be even better, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed. It is. No, it's it's a cracker. Yeah, discontinuation of the story, and you know, another hour or so's worth of 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 you know chat and conversation, and we're still you know only at the tip of the iceberg with regard to the Donnelly Motorsport story. So there's there's plenty there. But we started the episode with well, I asked a question to Eugene, and I was trying to skip along in 2004 to Donegal, but Eugene brought us back to the circuit. And then from there, Circuit of Ireland, you finished behind Derek McGarry, and Killarney didn't go so well, and then you got to Donegal. And really strong first day and a half, string of fastest right. times. And then rain came, and then Nesbitt was there. There's a while that happened in our world in between all of that, you know. <laughs> we just jumped there from buying a Toyota to driving into Nesbitt. And <laughs> I thought. And you jumping out and you just say, get in here, get in here, get in here. <laughs> but hey, before we get to that, i just get back to the circuit. You know, at the time, the big man to beat at the circuit was obviously Derek, you know. And uh, I, I remember seeing Paul like, shit, I, I can't beat this guy. I just can't beat him. Uh, we tried and we tried and we tried. And I drove the wheels of the thing. Well, I thought I was driving the wheels of the thing. But that's where our, that was our starting really should have been the start of our Achilles heel to be shown and that was the knowledge of the stages like Paul and I would go and wreck his stage and we'd do it maybe three or four times so that's grand we know where we're going we'd go off and we'd go and have a nice meal and a glass of wine and you know we were good to ourselves but on those rallies the, the circuit was not like you know Donegal or Killarney or you know even Galway to a point and Cork where the same stages were used over and over again. You went to Circuit Ireland, were always different stages. And like a three or four passes, we weren't thinking about it. We were just making a note, la, la, la. And we weren't taking out wee bits 
that we would have learned from Donegal or, you know, all mm. those big rallies that use the same stages. And it only, it, it took me probably three or four years to figure that out, like, you know, that those, those rallies, and obviously they were on Derek's doorstep, and he would have known where he was going extremely well and would have done that, that circuit of Ireland and those stages in the circuit for years and years, whereas I wouldn't have. And I, I, like every time I did that rally, I was always scratching my head going, how is he so fast up here? But yet I can beat him or be with him anyway. But on the circuit, he just had it mastered, you know. But um, yeah, I'd like to skip on forward to, to Donegal. I mean, just go uh, back to the go back to the Killarney bit first in the middle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the Killarney bit in the middle was pretty good. Well, everything was great and heads up, everything. We were all great people. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then. Yeah. Uh, we were getting bet. I was trying to look on the phone there how much we were getting bet by. But anyway, we were getting bet. And when you're on road sections, you're kind of thinking, oh, I probably lost a bit of time here. I lost a bit of time. Yeah, I can remember that bit there. And it could have been quicker there. And the next thing we started talking about the way these Subarus can lead the line. <laughs> so, oh, this is a yeah, savage, savage. Yeah. Your man says, this thing has launched. <laughs> Yeah, this but you need your, to know how to use it. Yeah, but when, when, when did you figure that out? Oh, Derek told me. Oh, I see, right. Okay. And I remember heading out to this stage anyway, and he says, we'll just try it here for the crack. And next thing, you press this button and the shoe to the floor and the engine revving the head off itself, and he let the clutch out and the thing stalled. And I says, I, I think we'll just leave it at that. No, I know what I've done wrong. Bang, bang, bang. Next thing, prop shaft out of the back. So that was the Killarney yes. lesson. Yeah, mm-hmm. broke the prop shaft at ten and a half grand for a prop oh. shaft. <laughs> See how Paul, Paul brought it up about <laughs> about the fact that it put us out of the rally. The money of it was just out. <laughs> but what event was after? What is what? Oh no, we got it fixed, and you went back out, and then she blew the turbo. That's right. Yeah. Well, I reckon we, the fact that the driver was out was the prop shaft damaged the driver the stage then, and and that over done something with the turbo. Isn't that what it was? Or, no, I don't know. I remember she blew the turbo well, after that as well. Engine and living at the time, you know. But mm-hmm. Yeah, look, mm-hmm. one of them things I don't think we'll uh, get to the bottom of what happened there. But so, Connor, onto your dunny goal. <laughs> 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 she changed the subject again, Paul. <laughs> well, look, Donegal, obviously, you know, well, Paul and I had done it uh, the previous year in a, a hired car from Niall Maguire, and uh, we finished second behind Nesbitt, uh, which, you know, is, is um, to coin a phrase of John Moynihan's, to finish second behind Billy Coleman and Cork was like one in the rally. To finish second behind Nesbitt and Donegal was like one in the rally, and 2002 for me, or 2003, sorry. And, you know, I knew the rally well. Um, I'd done it several times in the G3. Um, we were in good old form. Everything was, you know, coming together. First day, as Paul said, maybe we a wee bit guttery here and there, but, you know, we were on the pipe. Everything was working great. And uh, halfway through the second day, uh, you know, I, I can't put it any other way than Nesbitt just put manners on us. Like, you know, he, he just, you, you know, those stages were his. Um, he, he worked on them like, you know, Andrew was that sort of a calculated guy. He picked, you know, several stages out of a rally and he just worked on them. 
And that's what he did with them, you know, Nakala and uh, Glanty. Nakala and what was the other one? Nakala and Fanad, wasn't it? And what was the Fanad. third stage? Uh, yeah. Can't remember the third stage in that loop yet. Yeah, so, you know, he, he just came like a, a steam train at us, you know, and I had no answer for him. No point in me saying that I did. Mm-hmm. But on the second morning, um, I thought to myself, do you know what? Hi, Glenn, let's see what we can do there. And again, he took, I don't know, nine or ten seconds out of us. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think we even spoke about it, Paul. I just said, that's that. Like, we're, we'll head for second here, you know. I went out to Port Lake and took off. And lo and behold, you know, not four corners in, there he was, stuck across the road. You know, I did everything to scrub the speed of the car. And I remember going, oh, I'll get the post. I knew it was going to hit him. But I'll get the post of the passenger side, the door post, and which is the strongest part of his car. And I was going to get it with the corner of the Corolla. And I was trying to get it in, you know. And that's where I hit. But I hit it more so on the, you know, more so on the front of my car, you know. But, um, you know, watching it, and like I've seen the video a load of times, so that, you know, it's fairly fresh in my memory. But uh, you know, got it into got it started up, got it into reverse. And Paul, he was worried about Nagardi coming behind. But I just knew by there was no attempt from Nesbitt or James to get out of the car, and I could see him grappling to get a gear, and you could see the wheels twitching on the car. And I went, "He's going to get going." And if he got going, then you know, my only chance was to stay on his tail, and that means I would only have lost or out again thirty <laughs> seconds. But he would still have been leading the rally because. Hit 40, 40 odd seconds on us, you know. So I was being cut enough that way, and suddenly he just got it jolted forward, and I seen the gap, and obviously roared at Paul to get back in the car. He couldn't, Paul couldn't see what I could see, but all he was worried about was Derek coming from behind. And in fairness, it was very close. It was very, very close. Like Derek could have wiped us out, you know. Um, but got through the gap, and lo and behold, the controversy by the time we got to the end of the stage, and that's why I mentioned Matt Doherty. <laughs> Early, earlier in her, in her conversation um, to be fair to Matt um, the pressure from everybody um, you know Andrew Nesbitt whatever he was that time two or three times one or um, spun on the stage you know there was accusations that I hit him and you know there's lots of stories going about that were not true and to be fair to Matt Doherty Matt just closed the ears to having listened to Paul. Um, I don't even think he interviewed me. I think he interviewed Charlie. And we had an onboard. Um, so we got that dug out and he looked at that. And it was pretty clear cut from that point. But, you know, this is where, you know, at that level of rallying. And, you know, this is going back through the Fisher years and, you know, through what our, our uh, experiences and even right up to the day. There's so much at stake in those big rallies. Like people think, oh, it's only a Donegal rally. It's not just a Donegal rally. Like the one the Donegal rally is the biggest rally in the country. And the amount of people would give anything to, to actually achieve that. So there was a lot at stake. And you know, the guys pretty much would have done anything like to put themselves in that position to uh, leave themselves with a chance to win it. So therefore, the allegations I took very, very personally. And I, I really struggled with that there. And even to this day, I struggle with allegations, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, I mentioned earlier, the two guys there, you know, they were always there to pick me up. And, 
you know, I would have been put the head down and got a bit emotional. But I remember Paul getting into the car after the conversation with, with Matt in the service area and you just saying to me, let's just drive to the finish. Keep your head down and drive to the finish, you know. Do you remember that, Paul? Yeah, I remember it. The other thing I remember is when we came off that stage, Port Lake, and there was nobody behind us. And mm. It was a big, long road section into Downings. You know, you go into... Uh, Chrysler and all that. Chrysler, yeah, up through the... Yeah, past, past the, past uh, the and then turn off left, heading over to Downings. And I'll get on the phone and find out what's going on. And, oh, Jesus, God, I'm telling you, he's going to get that sorted and this, that, and the other, and panic, panic, yeah. And, yeah, sound, sound, sound. Down into Downings anyway, and uh, there's a... The, you turn down left past the church and there was a guard standing there. And then I, he, Eugene was saying something to me and he says, what, what the hell is he doing here? Whatever, next day. And he, remember running into the back of the Vectra? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says, oh my God, it would be anything else today. Jesus Christ. What did you put me down this way for? Oh my God. Back of this voice, Vectra and him out of it and the guard out. And oh, my, do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't remember, Tony. You brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, believe it. Head into the back of the boy's car. <laughs> Who got the blame for that? Well, sure, there was a whole panic going on. But as long as the guard was there, I knew it was a great thing. <laughs> the man in the vector shouldn't have been there at all. But anyway, yeah, I remember getting into the car and the conversation with Matt, and then we went up to the start of um, the the last the last day to start. Atlantic of Atlantic Drive, of course, wasn't it? Yeah. And Andrew was still trying to sort it out. And uh, we, they were all chatting around and Matt came up through all the cars and he called me and Eugene and Andrew and James up to the kind of start area or wherever the start line is. And he said, listen, lads, this is the way it is. Uh, this, the stewards are going to make a decision, such thing and whatever. But it was kind of clear cut that the rally was over for Andrew in fairness. Andrew was saying, but like this, that, and the other. And I remember I was I was sitting on a stone wall or something, but there was just this lovely green, you know, that really nice grass that you can chew up. And I had a bit of this in my mouth anyway. And I says to, uh, I says, this rally isn't over yet. He said, of a stage to do. And that was enough of a line for Matt to say, that's right, into your cars and away you go. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the end of it. There was no more arguments after that. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, not at that stage, Paul. Not at that stage. Because <laughs> I ended up I ended up on the service area. I had I, I got we Charlie was doing the micro cam that time. And I got Charlie to take the tip out and uh, he put it on a separate recorder for me and put on a blank then. And he done all this. I had him rang and he done all this from use entered the arrival control to use got he had this all done before you got into the service here and i had the tip when i had the the recorder and i put it in and under my coat and i went up onto the back of the lorry and remember i showed it to you and in, and in the back of the lorry and then you seen exactly what the story was like and uh, the next thing a couple of the stewards landed like Martin McKenna was one of them and somebody else yeah and the fellow with and, the big beard what do you call him donegal uh, and and uh, they come up on to the back of the lorry and I showed it to them and they wanted it and I said not a chance boys you can get that any if you wanted to show it to anybody or anything about it I should just bring me and I'll take it and show it to whoever wants to see it but you're not taking it with you anyway so that was grand 
they left and I got two or three phone calls looking for it. But when the rally was over, um, there was a steward's inquiry about it. And uh, I parked the car down, must have been down on the grass at the roundabout. And I was coming walking up and James and, and, and Andrew was coming walking down. And of course, when they saw me, they started, you know, on about the thing and jibing about it, you know. And uh, I said to the two of my sisters, boys, I have the whole thing in under my coat pocket here. I said, and once you see it, you'll drop this whole carry on. And as I says, what do you mean? And I says, come on. And I remember stepping out into the middle of the road and I met them halfway across the road and I took out the recorder and I played it to them once. And I says, there is our new voice. This is over. And I headed off walking and I went down and I went into the stewards meeting and they looked at it once as well, or maybe twice. And uh, there was a phone call in the middle of it. And then they asked me to leave. And then they come out a lot of minutes later and said, that's it over. No more. Nothing more about it. And I reckon the phone call was from Nesbitt to say that, mm-hmm. to forget about it, to drop it, like, you know. Because there was plenty to be seen. The, the bit that Tyndall, Tyndall cut it, and he, you know, he put it on the TV for effect. And yes. the way he put it and the way he showed it and all the rest, you know, he, yes. he done it with a question mark. You know, that yes. sort of way. He was making a drama out of it, yes. Mm-hmm. He made a drama. He done, he done his job, basically. Yes. He done it and done a good job. But whenever you watched it from, from like, the, 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 two, the minute before the corner and the minute after was very important. The minute mm-hmm. after it was very important. Because when you've seen it from the minute before, you 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 seen you know the, that Eugene and Paul you no know, they were just doing their job and they come around the corner and Andrew was there, and then there was the whole bit on the TV, and then Eugene saw the gap and Paul jumped back in again and they went for the gap, right? And as soon as they took the gap, Tyndall cut it. Mm-hmm. But when you went past the back of the car, you seen why Nesbitt was where he was, and that was what that's what answered the question for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he actually he actually that was not the corner he crashed on. That's yeah. where the whole thing changed, and uh, that's yeah. why the whole thing the whole thing was forgot about then after. And McGarty was the the one that lost out because he came around the corner then, and, and by that time he uh, ended backed across the road, and there was no space for him, and he didn't get by. You know, but it was interesting. Now it definitely was interesting. <laughs> And you could you could have a whole podcast uh, on its own for that particular. Rally. <laughs> you could, yeah. <laughs> There's a few of them topics that we talked about could last the whole podcast, <laughs> especially our early years. You did. I was going to say at the same time, like to win Donegal, you know, it's, as you said earlier, it's the biggest rally in Ireland. Did it take away from that that win at all? Having that little bit of a controversy hanging over it. Um, uh, no, not really, no, because I, at the time, you know, we strived for so many years, both Paul and I and Charlie, to, to achieve that, like, you know, so, as I say, when you drive over the ramp and take the oil man's money, it's it's all the same, like, you know. <laughs> but, but forget about that. At the end of the day, to win a rally, you're competing and you're putting the other people around you under the same pressure as they are putting you. Mm. So, at the end of the day, you know, Nesmith was under the pressure and he made a mistake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, no, at the end of the day, no, you, you go through any, any, any uh, 
form of competition at all. Running, walking, racing, horse racing, cars, no matter what it is, uh, at the end of the day, it's all about the pressure and the way you deal with it. And, and it's all about who makes the most of it. And at the end of the day, he made the most of it and he deserved to win it. And that is the long and short of it, from my point of view. And, you know. Look, you know, sure, a wee bit of luck and everything and, and the luck went our way and, it, it, you know, it was bad luck for Andrew. A lapse of concentration, spun the car, you know, tried to get it back on the road again, ran out of time and I clipped them and that was it, you know. that That's the long and the short of it. And look, to win your first Donegal rally, it'll never be replaced. Like That was the first and, uh, you know, I, I just mesmerised on the... You know, like the, the, the parties in Donegal are legendary. Um, and to stand up on that stage, give your speech, collect your trophy, go back into that crowd where, you know, you're just in cloud nine, like, and, you know, go up to Highland Radio the next morning and do your interview, you half winged. Um, <laughs> Nothing bad at all. That uh, <laughs> is right. But, you know, it, it just is one of them special moments, like, and, you know, my, my two kids at the time, you know, they were very small and to have them on the ramp with us um, and, you know, get the photographs. And same for you, Paul, you know, with the kids on there. Like, it's just one of them unforgettable moments, like, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, it de- oh. definitely is. It doesn't really matter what way you want it. Like, I, I remember the two of us going in the road, we were in tears. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Because it was so emotional. You know, I was at Donegal when I was 11. You know, mm-hmm. looking at these guys and super, anybody that won Donegal was a superstar. They were a superstar in Donegal anyway for that much, but it was just so, so iconic for, I'm from the Northwest as well, and Donegal was the event. Mm. And I wanted to, like, I finished 10th in it in 1990, and that was my result. I thought I won the class. And I thought mm. I'd never, you'd never get any higher than that. But no, it was a great, it was a great time. And then to do it multiple times after that was even better. Mm-hmm. Never forget the first one, though. And the controversy then, I think it just added a bit of spice to it. It did that. <laughs> because people still I've talk about it to this day. You know, that's the thing about it. Well, it? here we are talking about it flipping mm-hmm. 19 years later. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember Plum, Plum ringing me afterwards, you know, and um, they were getting ready to put the, the program out, whatever, a couple of Thursday nights afterwards. And he was just saying the way he was portraying it and explained it. And I says, here, listen, that's your job. You know, I don't mind whatever way you put it, like, you know. So then he rang me maybe a week afterwards and they got the ratings in for the program. And it was the highest rated uh, motorsport program that RPM had ever had at that point. Um, He says, over them all, over all the programs with, you know, the Nesbitt, Fisher years, um, right down through them all. He said this was the highest rated program that was ever watched. So <laughs> it goes to show you the bit of controversy yeah. adds to <laughs> definitely. So and we weren't a- finished with the controversy at that stage either. Come on, Connor. He's just aging to get out of there. <laughs> That's where I'm headed. How did you know? Yeah. Um, look, final stage of the year. Um, around the corner find you know somebody had deliberately put debris in the road like just an unbelievable incident on uh you know and I'm, I'm sure extremely frightening experience and was there talk that you might might have stepped away like was it a sickener 
Great. Uh, well, you know, just touch on briefly before we got to the last stage, like we, we had some great rallies after Donegal. Like you gotta remember there was eight rallies in this championship, and you know, we fought hard for every every result we got that year. And like Isla Man, we'd never done before. Jim Clark, we had done it once before. You know, these were big, big rallies, like massive rallies, the Ulster rally. Um, and to land to Cork, um, you know, with a, a sniff of a one of the championship. Um, and to start that rally, you know, for the, for the non-anorex that earned at the rally, and like, I mean, it was some strive to get there. It was some effort to get there, to have a Donegal win under her belt and to have a chance at one in the championship on the last rally. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what, what uh, the person who was organising the, the championship, that's what they dream about is to have it to go to the last rally and there's a race on and there's a proper competition. Um, so really, you know, the remit that I had is we needed to win the rally, I believe, to win the championship. And, you know, not not knocking Derek McGarty, but, you know, we had the better of him in the previous couple of events. Like, we were fit to beat him. And uh, I felt super competent, super confident. Um, and just settled into the event like we would have settled into any other event. And I don't think, Paul, we had any difference in our prep leading up to it um, I think we did a recce and we had our few paints and you know we, we were relaxed before the event weren't we yeah but you do remember what happened um, when before it? oh yeah 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 no I remember yeah 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 mm. so like I mean we settled into the event and we were trucking and the next thing I put it off like and I, I, I can't blame Charlie that not didn't see the road because it was well enough marked I marked it on the recce myself and Paul called it plenty of times and just an old mucky farmyard slid wide, bounced off the bank and flipped into a concrete post and wrecked the back of it and got a puncture. So when it, I knew when we, I knew, I can remember going off at that particular time. I remember the off and I knew the car wasn't badly damaged. It was, I would pull it out of the stage, but that was it. I knew the championship was over and I didn't think, you know, we could get back into service with any, minimal time loss. I thought it was going to be a, a huge time loss, but we did get into service and we did get the car repaired. And I think that was, uh, I, I don't know what came over me, Paul, but I just think I went into a mode where it didn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't about racing for the win anymore. It was racing and, you know, driving just to my natural ability. And lo and behold, the stage time started to stream and right or wrong, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in total control, and then the conditions changed favorably for you. And McGarry then had a spin, and he lost 20. And it just it was a real soap opera. Mm. I, I remember one stage down through a forest, and there was these, these um chain of notes like out over crest, like you know, flat right over crest, flat left over crest. And in the wet, you know, you always come back a peg or two. But I just had so much confidence. And I think that's the stage we took maybe 20 seconds out of him. I had so much confidence and so much of a feeling of the car that I, I felt like it was on rails. I felt it wasn't even raining, you know. Um, and, you know, we, we just put ourselves back into a position where, you know, we were controlling the rally again. Um, can't remember much about the, su- the Sunday morning, Paul. Do you Do you remember what way we were? Well, we weren't leading on the Sunday morning. We were, he was leading. He was first on the road on Sunday. Okay, and the conditions were really bad, and I think it was the second one. He, um, 
about halfway through it, you know, when you can still see the mist on the road. Yeah. And then you could see the back of his car. So we knew we had the guts of 25 at that stage. I think there might've been something like that for the lead. So we knew going into, you know, at the end of that stage, you want to be leading the rally, which was a phenomenal turnaround from 24 hours before that. And that was, that was the start of the end. Mm Hmm. And like, you know, I was confident enough that I think we had a 10 or 8 or 10 second lead mm. um, out to the last, the last leg of the rally, uh, which was two stages. Mm. And uh, we pulled up to the start line and you know, I, I had no reason not to think that I couldn't, I couldn't match him or take a little bit out of him. Um, and <laughs> um, yeah, there was a couple of little incidents happened. You know how guys, we, we pull up before a stage, maybe a couple of K back and you get out and you, you know, you have your comfort break and you put on your helmet and you get bolted into the car and your competitors are all parked around you. And there was a couple of wee incidents there that um, <laughs> maybe better not spoke about, Paul, but, um, you know, we, we got into the car, uh, we were second on the road, pulled up to the line, Derek took off and, you know, 30 second intervals and suddenly we were, stopped um, and we were said there was a problem with the stage um, and we come out of startup mode like you know switched off lag and all that there and relaxed and um, I, I don't remember the conversation Paul but I know you were saying look we're two minutes in uh, three minutes in might have been the stage we're going to lose it um, yeah they'd lose it because of the the, the double O time or whatever it was it was running it looked, it just didn't look good. Like there was a lot of people on the start line that weren't really, how would they, more than you, I don't really want to say anything wrong either, but just for people shouldn't have been where they were. And uh, the, the thing smelt a rat. Luckily enough, I kept the camera on all through the, the, um, the, the, the aborted start mm-hmm. all the way through the delay. I didn't turn it off purposely just to keep everything straight in case it was a case we were going to be accused of not willing to start or some bullshit so i left the camera on all along so it just just didn't feel good like never felt good Mm. obviously when you have a gut feeling it it ended up turning out to be right but didn't expect now in fairness what we got no i i I didn't anticipate anything you know untoward like that um but uh, look for people who are listening maybe don't even know what we're talking about but um yeah we we got a very a very abrupt start procedure which i really never liked I, you know when i was starting the stage i liked the full 30 seconds you have a wee mode you go through you know at 20 seconds i like to be all settled strapped in bit of a thought going through my head at 15 you know pull the gear at 10 seconds you prep the leg at eight, you put the lag on, you go into that whole process. And, you know, you might think that this just comes automatically, but every time, even to this day, a start line procedure, I always get nervous about it and I always think, shit, I'm going to forget something. But um, I do remember that start procedure and uh, getting it on the button and off we went. I think the first major corner was a hairpin left. And I think it was a series of fast corners downhill into this, yeah, it was like, what was it, Paul? Like a three left tightened or three it was, left? It was nearly, it was like a three and a half. Yeah. But it was 115 or 20 mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. 
downhill, road was going away from you and you really needed to get in on the inside of it. But you had a wide angle going into it. Like, so you kept over to the right-hand side for this left-hand corner to get a racing line on it. But it was totally blind. The racing line was totally, totally blind. And the minute I just turned into it, I, I, I'm pretty sure I said to you, Paul, off. Oh, or whatever you know um i seen this stone about this size um and there was just no way avoiding it no way avoiding it and clipped it and just all it needed to do was put the car off the line you know just this much like foot off the line and that's what it did and it it careered into the bank on the right hand side um kind of silhouetted like this didn't roll but like it went in on the right hand side and it just round like this here and a serious amount of knots like Took every wheel off the car, um, and like we knew when we landed in the middle of the road, we weren't going anywhere. And then I was a bit dazed and going shit, like you know. And I said, "Paul, get out!" And Paul couldn't get out. Your jaw was jammed. So then I panicked and I jumped out. I ran then to get the next car slowed down, which I think was was it da- uh, was it uh, Eamon Bowling or was it Tim McNulty? No, Tim was the next car after that again. It was yeah. Eamon Bowling. Eamon. Eamon, Tim and a few of the others anyway. And uh, I, I was walking back towards the car. As each car come up, you know, the competitors got out and stopped the next car and the next car until someone come down and says, did you see what's in the road up here? I says, no. And I walked back up to the apex of the corner and here was uh, several rocks. But there was a piece of foam like you would get out of the boot of a car over a spare wheel. And there was nails all drive up through it. Um, and I think there was a couple of pieces like that just sitting it on was, the... It was Tim that found it. It was Tim that found it, yeah. yeah. So they were sitting strategically placed on the apex of the corner. So, you know, there was the rock on the road. You know, anybody could have cut the corner and threw out the rock. Um, although it was a rock that was alien, it wasn't from that ditch. So that was a wee bit weird. But, you know, the nails... You know, they they cemented it that this was sabotaged. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that something that fell out of the hedge. Like you know, somebody deliberately took the time to get onto the road, put the stuff there with the purpose to create a puncture, or you know, could have been a lot worse. Like you know, either the two of us got to get killed out of the accident. You know, um, it wasn't that we were going off at twenty or thirty mile an hour or fifty mile an hour even. Mm-hmm. All said there, this thing was well over a hundred mile an hour when you were turning it in, you know. So, um, ah, look, you know, that was probably the lowest point in my rallying career. I think it was the lowest point for any of us that uh, why would somebody want to sabotage, you know, myself? Um, you know, <laughs> we could get into all the ins and outs of my personality and you could get into the ins and outs of who liked me and who doesn't like me. Um, as I keep saying these days, the more people that know you, the more people that don't like you. Um, and that's just the, the law of averages, you know. Um, you know, like my business interests at the time, yeah, there was some bits and pieces of it were controversial, but there was nothing illegal, nothing that I didn't do. No, I didn't know anybody any harm. I was heavily involved with Kingspan, which was a PLC company. And there may be an individual who would have been, uh, you know, knows what have been put out about that. But, you know, I can't lay the blame with anybody. Um, I can't say that was another competitor, which was lots of rumours going about at the time. Um, my private life, you know, I had some issues in my private life to do with my marriage and things like that. And somebody was saying it was something to do with that. 
But the bottom line is, is that I never set out in my life to do anybody any harm. And uh, I don't, didn't do anybody any harm. And for somebody to come along and do something like that there to risk your life, uh, you know, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a setback. And one thing, taking a grievance against me, but, you know, to take a grievance against Paul, like he's sitting in the car beside me, that's the bit that really, really hurt. Like, and maybe I didn't say too much about it at the time, but as the years went on, you know, I've, I've certainly been vocal enough about that. Uh, one thing to have a go at me, but Paul was, you know, totally innocent. And no reason to be doing that with him, you know. Um. But you didn't. I, you didn't. I, when we arrived at it and I looked at it, <clears throat> to me, um, the, whoever was involved or ever done it, uh, um, they, were, they were too stupid to realise how big a thing it was. I think they didn't, they didn't anticipate how bad it was going to be. You know, I think they had the brains to realise that. At the end of the day, to realise that what it was, no, what the outcome of it could have been. You know, um, no, I, I think that, no, I think that, that 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 whoever done it thought, oh, he'll get a puncture and that'll be it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, they, 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 they had no comprehension and no brain power to understand what the outcome, you no, know, could have been. Like, you know, and 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 the danger that they created. You know. Mm. Yeah. Well, look, you know. In the aftermath of that day, there was a few people that were very instrumental in, in uh, supporting and giving advice on what to do. I mean, the exact aftermath. And uh, Liam Egan was one of those people. And Liam is a very good friend of Charlie's. And uh, he was there at the scene. And I remember Liam being that bit of a pillar of strength and knew exactly what to say and uh, how, to, how we should conduct ourselves, you know. Um, and through the whole after aftermath, uh, say, the... the you know, the guys like, you know, the three of us, Liam and a couple of other people were very instrumental in giving me the support. And no, we, we, it was, it wasn't just me that was, this was affecting, like, there was us as a team, like, and, uh, you know, I think we, we rallied extremely well to get through it. And um, the things that probably pissed me off about it was, uh, you know, the personal, the personal side of it, um, you know, a lot of bad shit. Uh, was said about me and a lot of bad shit stemmed from that um, over the years and uh, maybe there's a good opportunity for me to put the record straight that you know a lot of the stories that has been said about me has just been extremely difficult and a lot of it lies you know and the outcome was basically a joint decision to share the title between yourself and Derek how did that come around or, or was that agreed between yourselves or was that more the, the, the sports decision to do that well, that was Charlie's decision. Um, it was his decision. I, I didn't <laughs> take any part of it whatsoever. Um, Frank O'Mahony was the COC. He was left in a very awkward position. And so they took the decision to, to end the rally at the last control before that stage, which was okay. That was in the rules to do that. Um, so I was declared the winner of the rally. Um, so, I mean... Charlie made the decision based on the atmosphere in the room that night. Um, Derek was insisting that the rally should have been concluded and he would have been the rightful winner uh, because his stage time, he got through the stage and I didn't and I crashed. And uh, there was lots of different permutations to it. Pirelli were 
the main sponsors of the event and they were the sponsors behind uh, Derek McGarry as well. So they obviously wanted to win and they wanted the championship for their driver. Um, so look, um, you know, we can all say it was the right or the wrong decision at the time. It's the only time in the history of the sport that a championship has been uh, shared on this island. Um, of course, the Donnellys had to be in the middle of the controversy. <laughs> you know. but what do you call the fella? What do you call the fella? Noel Clark. No, Walmart is dead now, the critter. Oh, Don, Don Walmart. Uh, uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Don, Don, Don Walmart. Don Walmart. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it was Don Walmart and I that sat at the finish and chatted. You know, Frank was there as well and all the rest. And because um, I always remember him in that conversation, just that's all, you know. Um, but it was they were in a room in the hotel and we were standing outside and as Eugene said, he said to me, I'm away. I don't know, you just do whatever you decide to do, like. Um you were there with me, Paul, weren't you? No. Yeah, but um, your man Noel Clark, he was, he was, he he was chairing the meeting. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. remember, uh, um, if we hadn't decided that that night it was going to go to Dawson Street, and there would have been no conclusion for whoever wanted to spend the most money arguing about it in court. <laughs> and um, I just come up with this idea, and I thought. Yeah, I'll try it. So <laughs> we w- I went back in again then and, and uh, I put the idea to him and Derek, he said, yeah, that's all right. So that was it. That was it, done and dusted. And like, so, for, that's know, all I co- have to say about that. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> say it again? As much as I'm just quoting Forrest Gump, that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, to, to strap yourself back into a rally car after that, like, you know, I don't know, the, a test before goal, wherever, does that still be playing in the back of your head that first time back in the car again? Uh, well, Paul, do you want to take that one first? Oh, what, Charlie? I was going to say maybe Paul did. He want to take that first, but go ahead, Eugene, go ahead. Um, well, I remember going to Galway, I, I, you know, after the rally was over, we got the car back and got it fixed mm-hmm. and did all of that there. But I remember... You know, ringing Paul and saying, I will go to Galway. And I was all upbeat, like, the seat out and deep inside. I was struggling. Like. I really, really was struggling. And um, I, I was just, I just, I didn't know what was going to happen for me. And sitting on the start line of the first stage in Galway, I was just saying, you know what, I want out of here. I don't want to do this. Like, and the only reason that it, I kept going was because of these lads, like, you know, and it wasn't even that there was a lot of words of encouragement, but um, there was just that aura and that feeling that, you know, as Charlie was Driver saying. Driver on. Driver yeah. on, Eugene. Driver <laughs> on. That, that was a... Like, I'm sure you noticed it, Paul. You what? I'm sure you noticed it. Like, I'm sure you noticed the demeanour, like, the way I was. Yeah, well, it did, but it didn't last too long. And then you... you, you no. Obviously, the ice... <laughs> the ice and... Uh, the conditions that Galway throw up, so that took over any other problems you had going on in your head. Mm. Move on. Yeah, no, once once I did the first stage, that was it. it was over, like you know, the thing clicked. We were back on the pace again, and you know that was it. Like, and I think we were mm. on to win that rally. Yeah, yeah. Like, but but like you know, oh five, oh five, and oh six. Like, what two years? Like, uh, you know, you two tarmac championships. 
Charlie, you won a national championship. You got back behind the wheel. Like, uh, everywhere you want, there was a Donnelly Motorsport fleece. It was like it was like nothing we <laughs> ever seen before, jacket. you know. It was only motorboat jackets were in all the hedges. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> like it, like and in, in the middle of this was this small tight knit team. Like, was it surreal looking out at it, or was it just focused on what was happening at that moment? Well, from my point of view, I I just had to make sure the finances were in place to do the rally, which I was fit to do. Um, turn up at the rallies the car was well prepped um, Charlie would have looked after you know most of the management side of it Paul and I would have dealt with the wrecking and you know would have matured it, we, it suited us to go wrecking not, <laughs> not not the other way around um, we always you know we always tried to put that bit of uh, you know that bit of hospitality into it let's call it you know Um and it, and it just worked like I mean sure there was there was difficult events and sure there was times of anguish about not getting results and a few breakdowns but like touch wood there wasn't wasn't that many accidents from my point of view mm-hmm. and in 2005 I remember saying to Charlie look you know you tried your best um, but you never got the opportunity that I've had and you've given me the opportunity that I've had so why don't you go and do a national championship and like the hell with we'll share the car you know it's it's not the worst thing to run we have a few bob you know why don't you get in and try it you know and i remember i had a bit of forcing to do to get you to do charlie to start it like and he, mm-hmm. i i can't remember what the first rally you did with it but um yeah look it was a passion of mine to see charlie won a national championship um because he helped me so much i wanted to make sure that when he finished rallying he had you know charlie donnelly uh, national, national champion, champion. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's what that was my ambition anyway. That, it's all uh, coming out now, Charlie, that you're only fit for the national. That's <laughs> boy. <laughs> Too many wrecks, Paul. Too many wrecks. <laughs> hey, five proved there was one more wreck. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, I don't remember exactly how that came around, but I know you were the one that instigated it. Uh, Probably in my head at the time was that there was enough money being spent keeping the whole show on the road as it was, you know, without taking on an extra one. But um, the one good quality that Eugene has, Paul, as you well know, was he can make the figures all make sense at the time. <laughs> yeah, the operative word being to, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to writing the check or, or whatever, at the, at the end of it, it doesn't always tally up, but it, it's all right at the time, and we'll get there, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but you boys were always, you boys were always wrapped up in, in uh, not seeing the thing for what it was, not seeing for the moment, like, and you, you know, you were particularly bad at it, Charlie, you did worry about money a lot, like, and that's where... <laughs> ah, um, but like, you need to remember, I, Eugene, like, I, you know, our circumstances at home, too, were a whole lot different, like, you know. Um, what I'm trying you know, to say... God, what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, we were always very conscious about it, but we were, you know, we had good ability to make a few quid and, you know, we weren't stupid, like, and, uh, you know, this, these, this was a once in a lifetime thing. I wasn't thinking yeah. about yeah. 50 or 60 or 70. I lived for the moment and 
from the past that we had had, like we lost our brother very young and tragic circumstances. And I lost a best friend when I was quite young. And, you know, I just said, you know, I have to live this life. I'm only going to be in my thirties and forties once in my life. Like, so that's how I looked at it. And I always knew that I had the ability um, and I, I was smart enough. And Charlie was smart enough that, you know, if there was a bit of a shortfall, we could work hard enough to make that up, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why as I mentioned it earlier when the guys came around with the sponsorship, you know, that was one of the things that I know I, I thanked everybody. The biggest that, thing of all, the biggest thing of all, and you two boys remembered because you were there, the, the Galway rally in the rain. Remember the very first one we talked about it earlier in, in the, in the um, 08 car or whatever. No, Stan car. Man, the first rally is one. Oh, the Subaru, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Subaru. yeah, Galway West Side. Do you remember that was the first time we really met... Um, what do you call the Kumo fellas? Um, Steve Thompson. Steve Thompson. What do you call the wee man? The wee old man. Wee engineer man. Oh, he's dead and gone now. Anyway. But anyway, the two of them were there anyway, right? And uh, we fitted up these tyres anyway, and out just went and, and come into service. And I pulled the wheels off, and I started examining them and looking, and I said, no, the Derek, I said, no, we'll swap these back to front. And the wee boy come over, and he says to me, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm going to swap these back to front. You know, there's a bit left wear and you know, it'll, it'll work better. He says, we have a lorry full of tires over there. He says, what are you doing that for? Like? <laughs> you know, and, and, and genuinely, I looked at him as if to say, is there something wrong with your head? You know, there's nothing wrong with these tires. I just need to put them back to front. And he says, we didn't come here with a lorry full of tires. You did friggin'. No, run the same tires all day, like you know what I mean. Like, and I kind of looked at him, and you know, I thought to myself, you know, this, this is like I never heard anybody say this to me in my life before. Like, no, I never understood this at all. Like, because like when we were in our early days of rallying, I never bought a new tire. I never did. It was only when Eugene started rallying that we ever bought new tires. Mm-hmm. And then for this guy to come along and say. There, that lorry's full. You just go over to the guy and you just say, give me four more of these, you know. And, and then, then he says, come back over here. And then he says, I saw you cutting at them last ones. He says, cut you these, these new ones the same way. So I was cutting bits of I cut pound notes off them. Like this, like, you know, that's what was in my head, if you know what I mean. Like the pattern we cut on them, like we were discussing this at the time, how we come up with this pattern. And it was, a way back, the old Michelin pattern of years ago, where you had all the blocks, like they were all separate, and there was big these big lines cut all through it, but they were all direct, you know, straight lines, like you know, there was none of this squiggly stuff there is now on tires. This is all big straight lines, so that's the way we cut the tires. And and there's, I think there's a video of that, you know, on RPM or something of me cutting the tires or whatever, you know. But the big thing was this: this I ne- it just never went out of my head as the guy saying. Oh, go over there. Just, just that large, full of tires. He said, "You just put more on her." He says, "Whenever you want to, like." And that was the first realization of, "Hey, we've got someone." Like, yeah. You know what I mean? This man telling me to put on new tires every service. Uh-huh. Throw the matter. That's what they're there for. Uh-huh. You're here to get the best out of this product you can. You're here to win. He'll say, "Like if it takes four tires, if it takes forty tires, you just." Fire them on her when she needs them. Yeah. And, and like, we never, like, that was just totally yeah. over our heads, like, you know. 
the, like, the, like, the tire bill, the two big things was the tire bill and the fuel bill. And the guys that come in with the fuel bill was the two lads in day, Donegal Oil, Paul, Eugene, uh, oh, Arthur, and Arthur uh, and uh, the McMahons. What do you call Arthur? Arthur and what do you call our brother? Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, they 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 were they they done a similar thing. They they mm-hmm. no, they said to me, look, you need fuel. <clears throat> you just come over, lift the jars, mm-hmm. ring me, tell me the jars will be sitting. You just come and lift. Roger. Here we go. Roger. 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 Like Roger. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget how like you know like yeah. the first time them fellas like you know you, you like the first time these things happening like that's the memory like you know that's the bit sticks in your head like, you know mm-hmm. as as and 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 the guys they said you know you just whatever the shell that time when the red mm-hmm. drunk mm-hmm. and they just you know you work away and then there was a year or two that time do you remember they set up the stations you know to fill you to fill the I fuel, remember it was done. Uh, the yeah. remote, uh, remote fuel and stuff, and 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 you didn't have to, you didn't have to take down what liters you got. Like made no difference. That was all right. There wasn't going to be a bill the following Monday. Like that was <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. They cannot have the tire bill and the fuel bill like on the Monday morning. Like that was unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. Because that was the big thing that you know, like you know, Eugene saying there that that we put this in and we do that and we got this to go and all the rest. But, like there was a real high on you know, the weekend and a fantastic high on a Sunday night. And no matter where we were, you know, mo- most of the time we all drove home on Sunday night, like, you know, that would be three or four o'clock. And we always stayed for the prize given and we always drove home. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be three or four o'clock in the morning or whatever when you got to bed. like, And when you got up on Monday morning, like, you know, there was that initial, you know, bit of excitement. And then you can walk down into the kitchen and... The real world was sitting with none you Yeah, reality it just kicks in. But the like, you know, oh, the bills and there, the the bills and the bits <laughs> and the pieces are all there, sitting there. There you go, yeah. guys. That's the team manager, and that was his perspective. I come down and yeah. I got stuck into work and I said, Right, get stuck in now, make the price of the next one. And that's the <laughs> guy. Yeah, and I was busy trying to pay for the last one. <laughs> but this this is the difference between like I, I never you know, it wouldn't have bothered me the same way as it would have dwelled in Charlie's mind, like, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I just knew I could, you know, I'd always get there. Like, it would always, it was always, uh, we had the ability to get there. We had the ability to find the funding for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, the, but Charlie, the, the, Eugene mentioned, you know, wanting you to become a national champion. Like, the, them two years in the, the, the Corolla, I think between you, I think you've done something like 40 rallies. You won the 18 of them. You know, you've run the podium 17 other times. Like, the, the you know for a Corolla that was at that stage what seven eight years behind in development compared to the latest Subarus that was phenomenal well, the, and the way you just kept the, developing the, the, the car you, 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 well you didn't you did say the key thing Eric Weavers took a massive interest he bought everything out of Toyota at that time right so he had that there's a, a wee fella Jan was uh, was the guy that designed the wire looms and the technology and stuff he was involved at the very start as well um, Derek. Derek as 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 um he's a meticulous character. Like you know, he 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 stripped that car and put it back together again, just to strip it and put it back together again. Do, do you know what I mean? Like um I, as Eugene said, always had a uh, had a feel for driving, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and 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 the, the, the amount of times that Derek and I would go out in the car and 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 
I wouldn't drive it. I'd sit in the passenger seat of it, and he would drive it, or Eugene would drive it. And and I, I you know, we, 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 I would be going for the feel, the 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 the, the no, the what the car was doing, and and you know what the suspension was doing, and what the you know the whole thing was going, and then deck, and I would. You know, come up with a solution like a you no know, a, a click here, a click there, spring, you no know, whatever. And mm-hmm. then the 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 Eric sent the guys over to for the development of the suspension, and and they developed the suspension, you know, uh, uh, like along with us at that time. And then uh, you know, uh, uh, today, like Derek has a regular um, dealership now, so he continued that. So he he, he you know that was his thing. He wanted to get into all them things and do all them things. Like, the fun was that, you know, if we bought a car ready to go, it wasn't ready to go because Derek <laughs> needed to stop it and then put it ready to go, you know. So yeah. there, there was this, there was this, like, there was a lot of attention put to detail, but there was a lot of, it was never, no, it wasn't one. It was like it, everybody played their part and they worked together and, yeah. and, 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 you know, like the, a big thing too was <clears throat> engineers, um, uh, found it funny to work with with our team because um, they didn't talk to Eugene. They talked to me. Um, Eugene talked to me, and I talked to the engineer. And one guy in particular, um, he couldn't understand. He couldn't get around this. Like he, he just he just he just didn't understand this. So we had to take a step back, and and then Eugene and I done a bit. And Eugene took more of a lead. Uh, and and talking to the engineers, but the first time or two, he, he it wasn't very long to realise. No, no, I do need to talk to you. You know, <laughs> you, you know, because Eugene and I had our own language. Like Paul, on no, he, like the the system was this. It was wild. It wasn't complicated, right? We had either radio in the car or with the phone in the car, right? The two guys left the start line. The phone rang. Um, what's the car? I told them. What tires on? I told them. Right. What? What? No, Paul. I'd say, Paul. What's the first stage? Well, I'd already said to Paul earlier, what would be the first stage, and he would, him and I would have discussed it. So then I would have made the decision on what tire and the setup or whatever. Mm-hmm. And no, they went into the first stage. More than likely, come off the first stage, the phone would ring. Eugene would say, Ah, this is not right. That's not right. And then, and then, and then, because he was nervous and he needed to get out of the system. And then I'd say, Well, he had tried this here. Then no. So would be a minor. Paul would maybe get out and maybe make a click on the suspension or whatever. You know what I mean? Or I would just hit him and tell him that it's all right, <laughs> depending on what what humor I was in. All right, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then as 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 you're no, enjoying as, this, as Paul, day, you <laughs> you're enjoying this. I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and as the day would unfold, you know that that was how at the start we had very, we had a big we had big handling at the start because right, what what we had done was we'd got people that was really en- enthusiastic about the whole thing, and you had Derek that was like he was really enthusiastic about the preparation of the car about the car right, so he he played his big part. Then you had Moynihan was all about the tire and about all that sort of thing. So he wanted to give his opinion. And then you had Eugene and Paul and I, right? And the idea was that everybody give their opinion and then I made a decision because at the end of the day, when we got to the rally, everybody had their own job. So the, the Derek had his job to prepare the car, each mechanic had his corner to look after or whatever. Um, Moynihan was to supply the tire. Paul was to do the notes. 
um, and Eugene was to do the driving. I would do the gravel notes prior, you know, that morning or whatever, give the information to Paul. But then after that, every decision that was made after that, I made it. Because all Eugene was to do was to drive. All Paul was to do, notes. But we, we used to come into the service and these discussions would start in the service. This is in the early, early things now. So these discussions would start in the service. And of course, <clears throat> Derek would think it's to do with the setup or it's not to do with the setup, depending. Philip would say it's to do with the tyre or it's not to do with the tyre. He would be defending it or whatever. And I would be saying this or you'd be saying that. And it always ended up around. The whole thing always ended up around. And then I would, pardon the pun, you can beep this, beep everybody off and then say, this is what's happening, da, 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 da. So Eugene took me to the side one day and he says to me, he says, Charlie, this is not going to work. And he says, because when you lost the head like that there, he says, then, you know, it looks bad and everything else. And I says, okay. And he says, do you have anything by phone? So I would ring. The, the, first of all, they would come off the stage and before Eugene would speak to anybody, even Paul, he would speak to me. And then Paul would give his opinion. And then I'd say, okay. And I'd set the phone down. And then I would ring and I would think of what they said. And then I would ring and talk to Derek or talk to Philip as to what tire we needed. Uh -oh. I lost you, Sheva. No, I still can hear you. We can hear you. We can hear you. That's the only thing here, stop. So I would give my, uh, I would then talk to Derek and, and Philip and I would make the decision of what tire or if we're changing the setup or whatever in the service here. And then I wouldn't come into the service area until the car was already there and they would be starting to do the thing. And Eugene learned then when he got out of the car and Derek come to him and said, what do you want? He would say, nothing to do with me, talk to Charlie. And when Philip would come and he would say, what tie are you putting on Eugene? You'd say, I don't know, talk to Charlie. So it took a wee while at the start for everybody to, to get that to work. But once we got that working after the first few rallies or whatever, then it, it run very simple. It, it, it made everything so simple. Um, everybody knew what they were doing. Everybody knew how the system worked. Anybody that was new to the thing or anybody that was trying to find out information or anything that got there, nobody knew anything. They just, just talked to him. Talk the gas thing about it, though, is that the unique thing about all of that was I was the bollocks in the middle. So if you rang, talked to Eugene, and you thought to yourself, that doesn't sound right, then he'd ring me, uh, and he'd ask me, what's going on with your man? I'd say, he's just fucking, he's not, excuse the language, sorry, he's not a, he's just his head or somewhere else, he's not driving the car, the car is fine, 100%. Or it could be, yeah, no, there's definitely something dramatically wrong somewhere, or whatever, whatever, whatever. So there was a number of other conversations took place while your man was doing the road section. So, yeah. and you just you'd plug him out so he couldn't hear. <laughs> the best one of all, the best one of all was in Galway one year. We, it was the first stage, no, the first couple of stages, and come on, and oh, the car was all wrong, it wasn't right, and it was doing this and all the rest. And 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 Paul and I had had the conversation. And when we come in to service, Eugene was keeping an eye on me when we come in. So when we come in, I nodded. I said to Derek, whenever the car comes in, pull the wheels off it and get in underneath the front of her and start 
checking and looking and all the rest. So I come sailing in right and quick, and uh, Eugene, he was getting interviewed by Plum, and I could see him watching wait me. And uh, I goes over and I stuck my head in underneath the wing with Wadek, and he says to me, what am I supposed to be doing here? Or what? no, what's wrong with us? And I said, nothing. He says, well, what are we doing then? I said, just stay here for a wee while. <laughs> and later on, if we found something, and I'd walk away saying, ah, oh, shit, that's what it was there. So I did that. I just walked away and said, ah, oh, shit, that's what it was there. Went into the lorry, and as I walked in by Eugene, he was being interviewed, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said to him, come on inside, and this is on, on, on Tyndall, you see. So, and, and, and he comes anyway, and I said to him, oh, I just see it wasn't tight, or whatever, 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 and all the rest. And then we're going back out the door again. Whenever they go to the camp, Paul, he sort of looks at me and I go, <laughs> and out the boy goes into the car and away went. Fastest on the next stage, fastest on the next stage. Car was perfectly. But that was a big part of it all too, wasn't it, Eugene? Oh, absolutely. As I said earlier, these boys were worth two seconds a mile to me. Like, you know, if, you know, you have so much other crap going on in your head um, yeah. and you, you know, you, you sometimes think there's phantom things wrong with the car. It's it's me, like, you know, and still to this day when I get into a car, it takes a while to get settled down. And you need, so, I well, I'm that type of person. I need somebody to be saying to me, no, that's fine. I need reinsurance all the time, you know. The driving, do, you remember the, the other, do you remember the other good and Paul that you used to laugh was that, you know, there'd be under pressure on a couple of stages and they just wouldn't be getting the last out of the car and, and I would come over and, and, and I'd say, well, what's wrong? Ah, that's not right. No, right. And I'd just look at him and I'd say, I'm right, Eugene. There's five junctions or whatever in here. Break a second later at every junction. Right? And Paul would look over at me as if to say, you yeah, I think we're breaking late enough for you. You can't break any later or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and, and you'd say, right, right, right. And, 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 and Paul would shake the head and I would walk away anyway. And next thing, come down the stage and they'd be fastest. And Paul just to shake the head and say to me, he said, what? No, Jesus, are you telling him to break a second later? But it was nothing to do about the breaking the second later. It was in Eugene's head. Just, it was just to clear, it mm-hmm. was clear, clear the stuff, like, you know, and settle him down. And we used to always say something stupid to each other, you know, as well. And the whole lot would start laughing, you know, tell some yarn or tell something or say something. That was another very important part of it. You know, because yeah. at the end of the day, there was a wild lot of pressure, but somehow we needed to make it fun. But see, what you used to do in that situation was when you get on the phone and he'd start talking shite, you'd just do all the listening and then you just come out with something like, come here, did you hear about um, <laughs> something completely <laughs> irrelevant? But you were letting on that this was always on your mind. Uh, and you'd say, what? Yeah, did you hear about such <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think the good thing about it was and I think you are getting the picture you know everybody did their job and yes. I turned to drive the car and mm-hmm. you know it took a bit of time and a bit of adjusting but I learned the formula to win and the formula I wasn't I, I didn't have that there you know these guys they were the formula and I had to blend into it and I had to drink that formula to win rallies that's mm-hmm. That's the long and the short of it. And again, it wasn't all about winning every rally. It was about being consistent and getting to the end of the rallies. And there was some of them we didn't perform that well on. And we just took our points and took our seconds or thirds and just kept chipping away. And I was good at that. Like I was good at knowing when it wasn't our day, you know. Yeah. And, um, I look, you know, 
we, we've had and that Corolla we had three fantastic years and, you know I think from your point of view Charlie uh, I think you look back at it now and you're, you're delighted that you actually put you know went through the pain and through the torture of getting your championship and uh, you know it, it wasn't simple um, but like it was, it was well worth it now looking back at it Oh, the whole thing. I think that, 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 that now when you get a chance to, to say these type of things, we don't do these types of things often enough <clears throat> because mm-hmm. everybody's busy and they're working and they're, no, they're getting on. Right? <laughs> ah, but they're getting on. They're on with different parts of their lives. And, 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 and as you say, like, you know, it was a unique team. As in, and, and I always say when anybody asks me about it, I says we took the best people at what they were doing and we put them together. And they were all very, very strong-minded, <laughs> and they needed to be. But the problem with that was that they all wanted their own way, and we got them. We we had we, we figured out how to get everybody their own way, and that was the one. <laughs> that was Charlie's way. The other thing, my way, but it was the one. The other thing was um, from the start in 04 to the finish in whenever that was back end of 06. Briar put a lot of effort into the engine. Remember, like it, it was a completely oh, yeah. different power plant from start oh, to the finish. Yeah. But this, this is back to what Eugene said about Weavers. Like Weavers, Weavers never let the thing go. Derek never let the thing go. You know, the setup of the car, I kept pushing. You know, you kept pushing different things, and Eugene done his thing. Everybody, Moynihan pushed like mad. The rows over tires used to be unreal. We're you no, know, we're trying to get a better tire, trying to get a better product, trying to make it work better. But it was all. You know, it was all every like it was you hadn't the best of everything, but you made it work and you took more than the best out of you know the car wasn't the best car, but it was the best car because we made it the best car. The tire wasn't the best tire, but it was the best tire because we made it the best tire. You know, everything was was you know the last was taken, there was nothing left. The, 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 like there was nothing left at the end of the day. When we come home on a on a on a Sunday night. We were all, well, no, I was, I was completely drained because you put everything in, everything completely. The, you know? the only thing that we took a step too far with Weaver's uh, lads was when he, uh, you know, when he did that big engine for us and put the, the nitrous in her. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just, I think he just took a step too yeah. far. There was nitrous everywhere. Like it was all over the place, wasn't it? The the day the paint blew off, Paul knew how to catch it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he dropped your cigarettes that day too, didn't you? Yeah. And the fact that we actually got away with it and the scrutineers couldn't find it or nothing (laughs) went to we. Everything and looked at. Whoa, that was that was stress. Oh, that, that that was inside the rule, kids. None of them thought of it. Inside the rule, kids. Yes. But, um, Eugene, by 2006, you kind of knew the writing was on the wall with the crawler. Like it was starting to show its edge, and you started looking what could replace it. The Subaru, at the time, like the S11, was probably the logical choice. But once again, you had to do things that wee bit different. You went down the route of the S12. Well, look, you know, as you say, the Corolla, she'd done us proud and she'd done us well. And, uh, you know, was she at the end of her tether? Well, it was in our heads that it was the end of her tether. And, uh, you know, I was looking at all these other cars all getting developed and probably a bit of psychological thing kicked in as well, you know. Now, the 12B 12, the 12 
uh, or sorry, the S12 Subaru was a massive step up in power over all of the cars, all the WRC cars. Like even, you know, even the O3 Focus had come out at that time, which was a sharp car, but it still didn't have the grunt that that, that S12 had. So it was a big, big leap forward in power. But I wouldn't have said a big leap forward in handling wise because I drove an S11 on the, uh, the Harvest Harvest. Rally in mm-hmm. 2006. Um, and, you know, it was a beautiful car to drive. It, you know, it did everything that it said on the tin. I didn't find it a lot more quicker than the Corolla in a straight line, but it just, it was better in bumps and the, the center of gravity was lower in it and la, la, la. But um, we went for the test of the 12 um, and I took one run in it. And it didn't handle well, but I put it down to the road that we were on. We were in uh, that, that test stage up in Uri. And um, it was wet and the tire wasn't good. But man, was the power. The power and it was just unbelievable. And I said, Charlie, I was flippant. I have to get myself So always my head was, uh, I was the blue-eyed boy at the time. You know, I'd won the championships in an underdog car. And I went to, uh, I went to, um, I went over to ProDrive, started talking to them. You know, it was transpiring that this was going to be the first customer car um, being released. Um, Derek McGee or McGarty wasn't too happy with that because he was the Subaru boy at the time. But I'd give me a little bit more of an inkling to take. <laughs> so, um, look. To be quite honest, we sat down, we did a deal. I didn't think it could be bought at the money that it was bought at. I didn't think they would give us the deal. Um, at the time, the cars were controlled. Um, they controlled the engine. They controlled the gearbox. They controlled the management of the car. And an engineer had to, had to be uh, accompany the car all the time, even though we ran the car, um, which obviously Derek McGeehan ran. And it was a bit of a baptism as a fire, um, you know, we, we all worked together and making it happen and uh, brought the car home, got it into the workshop, let Derek at it for a while. And of course, Derek, he been Derek, he was very meticulous about it and would have had his own understanding of how the cars work and how you start. Um, started to do a bit of testing with it. And I think I got into it at the beginning. I found it difficult. And I definitely found it difficult. So uh, got back out of it again. And Charlie and him worked on it for half a day along with the Subaru engineer or the Pro Drive engineers, and uh, they were they were taken back. Why was I not driving the car? Uh, I remember saying Eddie Core was engineering the car. Time I said, oh, no, I have no interest in driving up and down the road. Them boys will get it close enough. And then I get into it and refine it to the way I like it. Um, but to be fair, now you had a lot of work to do to Charlie to get it no, to, to get it close. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was saying to you earlier about the, the engineers like Eddie he couldn't understand that it wasn't Eugene that he talked to you know and 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 I wouldn't drive the car either Derek would drive the car and I'd sit on it and then him and I would do our thing and then we would talk to Eddie then and then you know Derek would get out and he would you know do whatever settings that, that he wanted to do but it took a good bit of work now to get it to, to near the thing but uh, it, it it hadn't got it hadn't got um, it hadn't Rieger suspension in it, which was De- you no know, Derek would have understood Rieger up and down the cross. It had whatever they had in it. So those I think now that was one of the things in it. So it took a wee while to get over that there, but we got it. We got it. No, we got it to handle pretty well, good. One thing, uh, 
the one thing I found very strange about the car is the rake and at the back of the car rode higher higher than the front. I, I that didn't sit. No, it didn't didn't feel right for a start, but it just didn't sit well in my head. But um, you know, I said, well, look, it's it's one of the most competitive cars in the world championship. Although it wasn't at the time, but you know, you're saying this is a world championship car. This is a pro drive. These guys know what they're doing. But the one thing that it did have that compensated for some of its um, awkwardness, I'll put, is it had some bag of power. Flip and hell, you put your foot on it, it took you out of trouble, like you know. It had a good uh, grip too. Yeah. Huh? It had good grip. It got the power on the road. Yeah, it had reasonably good grip. Um, but the, the other thing that complemented it well too was the Kumo tire. Um, when, I, when I drove the car on Michelin, I, I struggled with it. Like, but when I put a Kumo on it, the car felt nice. Like, um, and, you know, we didn't do a huge amount of testing before Galway. Sure, we didn't, Paul. No, I, don't know. I only done a day in Dava. Yeah. So we went to... Uh, Sorry, we done a day. I done half a day in Dava, half of a day in Lucy. Mm. Yeah. So we went to we went to Galway and uh, obviously Marcus Gronham was there and you know we weren't thinking too much about what we could do. Oh, big key thing to it on the test it done in a gearbox, and as it transpired, once it done the first gearbox and the second one after the two days testing, it started to show gremlins as well. <clears throat> and I got talking to Eddie Corr about it, who's um, a pro drive man, and transpired there was issues with the gearbox on it. Uh, and it had been an issue right through its WRC career up until that point. And they were damned expensive. Because the box, the box word, I think, was 100 grand or something for the time, or 80 grand or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, we went to the rally, and Eddie uh, said, look, you know, we, we have one gearbox with us. And I went, well, <laughs> I hope we don't need it, like, you know. Um, and lo and behold, first day of the rally, um, you know, we weren't that quick at the start, but we started to get, get into it, and the box gave trouble. Um, we didn't lose a lot of time with it, but they did a precautionary change, but it was giving trouble. It was jumping fourth gear and um, changed the box. And uh, the next thing, we got into the battle with Gronholm on that first day. Um, Paul could give you the rundown on that better than me. I can't. All I did was drive. Uh, you know, I just got my head down, drove the car to the best of my ability. But I, I can just remember that feeling of power all the time. Just took you out of trouble every time you put your right foot on. Big sideways drifts in it if you needed it. And just was an animal to go, you know. I don't really remember, Paul, much about the battle or about the times. But I think Gronholm had a slide off or something and we ended up getting in front of something like that. Yeah, he had a puncture as well, or he had some kind of overshoot and bits and pieces. But at the end of the day, he should have been, I don't mean at the end of their day, but really we shouldn't have been in the same battle at all. And Because I remember we were doing the recce and Gareth was out doing, was he doing Monty that year? Yeah. Well, yeah Eamon definitely was doing it anyway. Eamon was doing it anyway. And during the recce, we were wondering, like, how far will he be? I think he won Monty that year, did he not? Yeah, I think that was the year, yeah, that uh, what you call him, Loeb was out in the Kronos car. Oh, in the Kronos wasn't car, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. yeah. Well, he, he, whatever, we were trying to figure out how far he was going to win by. And we were kind of trying to figure it out that it was going to be like six or seven minutes. So, 
then when we done the first few stages and Charlie was on the phone on the radio, whatever it was, and we were looking for the boys' times and he says, don't worry about them. What? Don't worry about them. They're not even at the race. It's just you and the other one. So we couldn't figure this out because there was actually very little time standing around, you know, at the start of stages. So there wasn't much talk going on in that. So it was just a fabulous experience, though. And, um, but what, 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 um, Grunholm couldn't get grip in the car was one of the things, remember? Yeah. And, and, and uh, we had cut the tyres out again, done our own thing with them. And, and uh, I would have been checking the tyres. You know, at the end of the, at the stages, you know, just checking them. And I, I danded over and checked his, you know, as well. Had a look at them, you know. And he got out and and uh, I can remember him saying to me, no heat, no heat, no heat. And and I said to him, I, I looked at him and I said, you need to cut them. What do you mean? What do you mean? He goes, and I said, you need to cut them. I said, look at his tire. So then he must, he looked at them, you know. And him and I started this conversation then at the end of the stages, you know. And, and eventually... At, at some point on the Saturday, I think it was or something, he got he got the the, the boys to cut the tires out a bit more, and then he started to get a bit of grip. Then the tires started work because in my head, you know, somebody else would have said, you know, don't tell him. But oh. to me, we were there to race. We weren't no, you, you were there to race with him. Like you weren't there to, you know, you know, I, I, like at the end of the day, if, if the car wasn't right and he wasn't getting you no know, driving it, you no, know, then you weren't racing him anyway. Uh-huh. So, so no, so there was no point. So I, I, I system, you know, and to this, you know, we we had him over for a test with a with MRF tire, and there's a photograph of him and Eugene and I up here on the wall up here, like, and 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 he always remembered that, you know, about the the cutting of the you no know, the cutting of the tires, like you know, yes. and uh-huh. and and it helped the you no, know, it helped the it helped the tire to work then, and he started to to get into the thing. But even when he did that, the like the, 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 the Eugene. <coughs> It was still ding dong. Like it, it wasn't that he got this done and then he he started to go off. It was, like, he was still usually still beating him. Like, and the roads were even starting to dry at that time as well. Remember? Mm. Well, I think we found Saturday evening, and it was a bit of a, a surreal moment. You know, you were beating the you know the two times world champion at that stage. Like you know, and you were kind of it, it was totally surreal. Like and because. He was forcing the road, and I think I was sacking, or we were sacking Paul, and we landed back to the hotel, and there was only him and the navigator and Paul and myself, and we met in the bar, and it was a bit of an awkward moment. <laughs> you know, there was nobody else in the place, like, and we ended up chatting, and, you know, it, it's just one of them things that, you know, you'll treasure that memory, and ended up making friends with the man, and, you know, Charlie says he's been over here, and I've met him quite a few times since that. But, um, the following morning, uh, this is this is always the memory that I have of the rally. The following morning, um, we were getting a lift from the hotel out to Park Fermi, and uh, we were in Paul's Subaru, and uh, James Foley got into the car to get a lift out with us. Now, right, Paul? That's right. And uh, we were heading for Park Fermi, and the next thing, the U2 song came on the radio, It's a Beautiful Day, and the sun was splitting the skies, it was real crisp, cold weather. And that song was just banging off the radio, you know, and Paul had pumped up. And I remember getting out of the car just feeling absolutely fantastic, you know. Went over, started up the car, started up the Subaru, got all into her. Paul was sorting out the times and all the rest. He climbed in. We pulled up to the out control. 
And Paul says to me, look behind. I went, what? He says, look behind you, look behind you. So I wrestled around and I looked out the back of the yoke and I could see Cronin behind us. I says, what am I looking at? He says, it's not every day you start in front of a two-time world champion. Class. <laughs> I kind of went, all right, okay. okay oh. do, you, do, do you remember uh, it was either the Saturday morning or the Sunday morning they couldn't get the yoke started? That was the Saturday morning, I think. Yeah, the first day. They couldn't get yeah. the car started. They had to throw them out to get it started. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be instant exclusion in any other app. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But yes. For you know, he, he couldn't figure out that it was allowed that you could cut the tire, but he thought it was okay to be towed out of the flipping park for <laughs> <laughs> That was completely legal, yeah. <laughs> but also got out the road that morning, remember we stopped in the wee town and and, and then they buy the stuff and they had no money and we end up yeah. having to buy the no, that was on that was on the Sunday morning. I went in to get a coffee and he was standing behind me. I didn't know he was standing behind me and he couldn't figure out where you <coughs> got the coffee. And he's that tall. Like he looked around, you were looking straight into his chest, and he had no <laughs> money to buy the coffee, so I bought him a coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it was a great, a great man, but that was an unfortunate year for us that you had Grunham and Galway, you had Love and Donegal, you had Love and Cork. The only two rallies that we actually won were out, weren't even in the country. Uh, yeah, yeah, the monks and the uh, Jim Clark, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Meek landed up, yeah. turned up at, at, at the Ulster. For the Ulster as well. That's the right, year yeah. to have the car, and you know, uh-huh. yeah. mm, I, it could have been the perfect year. Only, but. yeah, it could have been a clean sweep. Pony, all these yeah. guys turned up. Well, the gearbox messed up the grown home thing. Like he was, he wasn't. He would have got him. Like there's only another stage to go. Like he wouldn't have got us. Definitely. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I don't think he would have got us. No. Although Mark ever, was a big problem that year, you know, if 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 spoiled many a good story, what I mean, <laughs> the car, the car, without a doubt, let us down. Um, you know, you, you can't win rallies unless the machinery is with you. You know, on that particular time, the gearbox started to give trouble again, and I just overcooked it into a right hander, and I didn't have the gear to go down. And uh, you know, it was a pretty big shunt. And again, when you see fire starting to come out of the under the bonnet of a four hundred thousand pound car, you know, you, you shit yourself like, you know. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and that not only that, it wasn't just, you know, it was the accumulation of everything. I was I was pissed at myself that I said, you know what? Stacking was fine. Stacking was fine. I didn't need to be taking the chances. Knowing we were carrying an ailment, knowing that the roads were reasonably slippy and it was starting to cool a bit. And knowing that I did not need to win this rally, like, I, you know, second, going home 10 seconds, 20 seconds was still a massive result, like, you know, and you'd have been there, squares, spraying the champagne along with them and having a real good I night. Maximum points in, I maximum points in the championship over in those two. Ah, one of the good nights of the year, you know, yes. but, you know. <laughs> When you drag it out of the ditch and put it on the back of a low loader and you head up and you see like there was thousands of people there at that rally. Thousands yeah. of people. Yes. He took the car to the stage that were waiting there. Like there was you know, I'd say there was two or three hundred people waiting there. And like I just hang in my head like, <laughs> and all I wanted to do was get the flock out of there, you know. So uh, you know, it ate me and ate me and ate me for quite a bit of time that I should have just 
went for the finish on that rally rather than trying to drive a car that had an ailment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul says, you know, the car, you know, I, I, the team didn't gel as well as it did with the Corolla because we had an alien member in there. And I'm not saying anything bad about Eddie Corr. Eddie Corr is a really good fella. And mm-hmm. I, I very good friends with him and remain very good friends with him. But Eddie was very much a company man, very much a pro drive man. They ran their car in a specific way. They had professional drivers drive them. So that's what they were used to. Here we were, you know, an amateur team. Uh, we had our own way of doing things. We had our own way of communicating. We had our own way of setting the cars up. Um, and they maybe didn't recognize the talent that we had of doing that. They didn't recognize Charlie's ability. Certainly didn't recognize Derek's ability. And therefore, they were still driving to drive us down this road of running this car as a European spec car or the way they knew how to run it, um, which didn't suit us. And again, didn't suit the tyre, um, didn't suit my style of driving. Like at that stage, I still right foot brake. Like I wasn't a left foot brake. Um, and, you know, they were couldn't get their head around it. But one of the things that did come up about it is Eddie Corr used mesmerized that the braking the braking pressure I could apply without locking up the wheels and the way I managed my brake um, and he used to be scratching his head and saying to me how do you do that and I said well it's just years of practice like, you know um, so that whole year was a bit of a struggle um, and getting living to work um, and then again after you know after we you know we we done the circuit and uh, I think we finished second um, and we weren't really on the pace and you know the Reed Motorsport team was in, incepted in that year and the next thing they came calling looking for us to join them and that was a big that was a big big change in the whole dynamics of things as well because Reed Motorsport you know they were looking for success they had a couple of people that they were backing um, I got to know Liam Reed quite well and to this day remains good friends with him. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things, well, okay, you're coming along with the support. You're, you know, you're basically taking over the team. Financial support was massive to it. Um, and all I had to do and we had to do as a team was turn up um, and, you know, the drive was supported. Um, but we had to drop some of our long-term sponsors and we had a drop tire manufacturer, which is Kumo. And to this day, I regret that. And I've said that publicly quite a few times. I regret walking away from the Kumo relationship. And Philip and, and David took it quite quite bad, rightly so at the time. We were two events into the championship. And uh, you know we switched to Bridgestone because that's who the Reed Motorsport team had done their deal with. And, uh, you know, I, I was involved with Esker with was uh, Danny McGee, um, who was a big supporter of the campaign at that time. But again, it was a lot of money. And, you know, Reid was, was offering up something that we just couldn't walk away from. We couldn't, basically, couldn't refuse. It was a deal that you couldn't refuse, you know. Um, and the dynamics of all that behind this certainly affects, um, you know, that one second or two second of money that you get from your team. It, that that's affects that thing. And, yeah. You know, the first rally we did was Killarney um, with the Reed Motorsport team. Got off to a good start and made one overshoot and dropped eight or ten seconds. And that was basically rally lost because we couldn't make it back. Uh, 
and we were fighting with Chris Chris Meek for that whole rally. And he second to him by what twelve seconds? Tony Cullen was there as well. That rally was he not? Mickelson was at them all. But I mean that that the dynamics of the team, you know, it took us quite a while to get you know to get into it. Um, but we we like should have won Killarney, but that was the first rally on on Michelin tires or B of Goodrich that were known at the time. Um, you know, the first time with the new crew and different people involved in it, it was all a wee bit alien. Um, the different, the, the, the dynamic was very big. That made a massive difference. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, but look, you know, we left Killarney and, and well, we were you know positive enough about it, and uh, went to Donegal really hyped up. Um, and I was, I actually felt in good form, and I felt, you know, we we. You know, we, we could put the car to a good position. You know. um, come off the first stage, I think we were maybe eight or ten down, Paul, were we? No, we weren't that far, Mike. We were four or five down. You know, yeah, I'm try- who was fastest on Mickelson, was it? No, Mark Higgins, I think, was fastest, wasn't it? No, uh, was it Mark? Was it? Uh, no, was it not Kevin Lynch? I think it might have been Kevin Lynch. Oh, yeah, but Lynch, actually, I think you're right, actually. I think Lynch yeah. was fast as I in the first day. I think you're right, actually. Yeah, because everybody was waiting in Loeb's time, and I think Lynch came out of nowhere, didn't they? they yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, we, you know, we did the first loop, and uh, you know, we weren't far away. We were, you know, we were just where we we needed to be and hanging on to the pace, you know. Um, and the yeah. next thing we, uh, I think, Paul, did we get to uh, the Brina. second loop? Brina, Brina, yeah. and a flipping corner. I know so well. I caught it. And he called, he said, don't cut, don't cut. I cut a big rock, got a puncture. Got out of the end of the stage, probably dropped 20 seconds or 30 seconds. But that wasn't the real problem. Changed the wheel. And as we were jumping back into the car, I touched the throttle and uh, hopped it into gear by mistake and uh, wrecked the gearbox again. Um, so one of the next stage was only three gears or whatever, you know, lost mm-hmm. minutes, three minutes. So that was the rally over. But, you know, we continued on it. We had a puncture on the second day, bonnet um, head. You know, we, we limped through to the final day. And, she blew uh, off the, she blew off the, uh, the, tur- the turbo fan. Remember she blew off a hose off the turbo. Oh, that's, what, was that not on the Friday, on the Sunday, was that? No, no on the Saturday. All right, yeah. Well, I know I know we got out of the Saturday and we were third or something, and we couldn't catch Higgins in front of us, and we couldn't no couldn't really be well. We were in a bit of a fight with a uh, bit of a fight with with uh, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Lynch. But uh, the crack then started with Loeb. We were running behind him and um, went into High Glen, and uh, I really wanted to you know I really wanted to master that that Sunday stage. Home and uh, try to get as close as I could to him, and uh, yeah, that was a bit of fun, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, Higgins couldn't even do it. Yeah, yeah, I just got this notion on, on the Sunday, right? I'm gonna get stuck into this, you know, went through the notes for the three stages, and uh, you know, I just put my head at it that I was going to try to take a fastest take the load. That was that was what was in my head. How close did we get, Paul? Four. Four. Do we not match them on? Uh, do we not match them on Atlantic Drive? 
Oh, maybe we did, but I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking of Len. Yeah. But um, we were coming off stages and Daniel Ella was sitting waiting on the times from your man here. <laughs> <laughs> that was another uh, one of those moments, you know, that you kind of go, what's Daniel Ella doing standing on the side of the road waiting on her times? <laughs> Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just looking to see um, Donegal International 2007. I don't think I don't think we had a joint fastest time. All right, you, th- you, think, you think it was... Uh, Atlantic Drive? No, Atlantic Drive, he was quickest the second time round. Mm-hmm. And he was quickest in Glen. What, Atlantic Drive would be what? 19 then, would it? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, first time. Oh, you're right. We were joint quickest with him on the first time around not to drive. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, joint with 736.7. So, you know, I, I beat uh, or I matched Loeb on a stage and I beat Grown Home on a few. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fine record to have. Yes. Fame to fame. Yes. Uh-huh. But as, then, you know, as, as Paul mentioned earlier, then, you know, you went on to the Dyla Man, the Jim Clark, and took runs. And I think you claimed the championship again that year. Uh, you know, kind of, I suppose, bittersweet almost, wasn't it, claiming the title that year? Well, it was a bit, <clears throat> and especially the demise of Reed Motorsport mm-hmm. after, you know, the finale of joining this big team and, you know, the financial security of it and all the rest. And <laughs> another thing another thing that uh, Donnie Moorsport got to blame for was destroying re-transport through its rallying but I can assure you uh, the, the, the company got into difficult and none to do with its rallying escapades but um, uh, yeah it was a bit a bit disappointing that we did won a couple of home rallies and a bit disappointing that you know the Subaru didn't perform better um, and it didn't it didn't I don't know perform better is not the right word I didn't enjoy it the same way as I enjoyed the Corolla, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a pity we didn't, you know, it's a pity it ended the way it did. Simply, you know, the Reed Motorsport thing was over. They owned the car. You know, the car was sold. You know, I didn't really have the appetite to pour that sort of money into it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, no, I'll look at something different. Yeah. I, I just didn't warm to that car, if you know what I mean. It was lovely hearing those stories about, you know, those golden years of the Donnelly Motorsport. You know, we talked about the, you know, the fleeces, you know, the Corolla, the Subaru. Like, those are iconic cars. There were iconic moments there you just described. Like, at the time, you were probably in the moment you were concentrating on the next rally. Looking back now with hindsight, what is the standout memory for, you, for each one of you? Uh, Charlie, what's your standout memory from those years? <sighs> I have no idea. Um, <laughs> to me, a lot of it, um, I no, I ended up getting sick near the end of it too, which didn't really help the thing much either because the whole concentration at that time then was you know, was trying to stay well um, or well enough to, 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 to be there, but it was it was taking a lot out of me at the same time. Um, I, I still like, as I said earlier, I still like this. This is what the memories are. This here. Um, every time I talk to, to to Paul and Eugene and that there, you know, um, they remind me of something, you know, that that I've completely forgot. Um, you know, I still remember the. I think it was one of it was the Galway with the ice, and and I remember there was a bit of there was a there was 
few notes and a crest and a puddle of water and whatever and into the junction. And and I I chatted to Paul and I said to him, take out the brake before the crest. And you know, I think that he'll carry the water and he'll have enough brake and time, you know, to get in the junction, you know. So Paul took it out and him and he can bomb it down over the anyway. Not a chance. See, like the yoke just just took off, like you know, and he's gone down by the junction, you know, and the car locked up and him hitting the handbrake to turn around and Paul he said, Charlie, you got it wrong on that one. He says, <laughs> you know, and that like, that's the stuff that I no, that's the stuff that I remember. You know what yeah. I mean? That, no, the 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 year over and 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 the Jim Clark, you know that that you know, first of all, Eugene and I, on the test, we 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 learned that the hard tire on a good day is not always the right thing, and we went through a fence and 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 there's a clip of the lads up on McDay or no, the lads that we we course or whatever Nova or whatever with the stake coming in through the one screen. Oh yes, uh huh. Yeah, KD uh, cars or something. I KD cars. Yeah, Eugene and I, we done the same thing. A stick of a git comes straight in through the one screen on the test, and uh, we got a one screen flowing in. Derek McGarry went and got us a one screen in Glasgow, and it was for the wrong car and whatever ever. So I went to the guy and I cut a perspex one, <laughs> and and John Donnelly and I bonded it in, and. Uh, I had spoke to the scrutineers prior to it, and they said as long as it you know, was okay, they'd be happy enough. With it. So got it in anyway. And first thing down the first stage, comes down the first stage, Paul says to me, he says, like, this isn't working. And I says, why? He says, I have to slacken the belt on my left shoulder to hold the one screen in, he says. This thing is coming in around us, you know. So they've done that whole day, like, and, and then we cut the one screen out of, out of uh, McHale's car. He was there, and... and I think it, I don't know, Gareth, no, it wasn't Gareth, it might have been um, what he was doing it. But anyway, I went to Austin and I said, look, can we, cut, can we get your one screen? He says, ah, he says, take it away. So we, John Donnelly and I cut the windscreen out with a bit of wire like, and put it into the car. And then the next thing then, Eugene was bombing down. Was not the same rally, he was bombing down and the brakes overheated and you ended up in the field. Yeah. No? Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and I still remember that video to this day. You just bombing down the oaks and he's standing on the brake. You know, she's jumping over the jumps, flat this, flat that, flat on. And then the next thing, brake for whatever it was, square left. And Eugene hits the brake and the oak just locks up going this way. And he goes, Oh, you get it. Oh, you get it. Oh, you get it. Oh, you get it. And, and Paul, he's sitting as if he said, Come on, do whatever you have to do. Like, and the oak straight in through the gate into the field and round in the field and back out again and got down the stage and the whole thing was full of straw and stuff and had to tell them to get out and clean out. No, I, I'd been sitting there, you had to get out and clean out the straw. What do you mean? Like, the whole it was full of wheat. Wheat, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So the two boys out along the road and them who trying to clean this dust out of her and all that. Things that got there, like, you know, oh, that's, that's the memories for me. Okay, we won the rallies. We won the championships. The cars were great. The speed was great. The thrill was great. But them's the memories I have. It's, the it's people, the fun. No, it's the comments. It's the chat. It's, you know, yeah. you know, like, I always say, you know, we were, you know, we were a bundle of gams, you know, from Ireland. Like, and there's not many, many outfits in the world can stand and say they don't know what we don't, you know, and there's none of us, you know, there's none of us that special, you know, but together we were special. That's, that's, that's my memories of it.
Mm-hmm, for sure. And Paul, the same question to yourself. What is your standout memories from those years? Well, one, obviously winning Donegal was a big one, but I have to say the Manx was a real special rally for me because as, as, as a kid, even looking at it on TV and Pine Snyers went there and Mark Lovell and Steve Ryder used to commentate the show and it was on BBC and it was just so big, Manx. And to, to compete in it at all, was a great experience for me and to win it then, especially the year we won it in Corolla. Like the Subaru, kind of, we were expected to win it that year, but the year we won it in Corolla, we had a great battle with it. And even the year we finished second to Mark Higgins that year in the, he had the focus. And that was the, those, those two years in the Manx are really good. But I have another one and I don't think, I've never heard anyone speaking about it, but one of the things I used to look forward to every year was the driver's briefing for the Donegal International. <laughs> It was just crazy. It was the, the, the first year that they'd done it that way. So good. And um, what, what do you call the barrister guy, Charlie? Uh, 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 Damien Crawford. Damien Crawford. Crawford. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. He was so witty. He always had a great yeah. thing every year. And the year Loeb was there, and he uh, he stood up and he said this and he said that. And he says, we have two very special people here at the rally this year. And he says, I'd just like to take a bit of time you know, to really thank them for coming here and all of this. And Loeb was starting to get up out of the seat. Him and Elena were starting to get up out of the seat and he, he called up John John Joe Boyce. Do you remember that? <laughs> 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 uh, I, I, I never laughed as hard because the two boys didn't know what to do. And the whole place took off. But that Friday, as, as, a, as a tension breaker, starting a big rally like a three-day Donegal and you're in with a chance or you're in with that kind of a, that level to go to the driver's briefing was just such a level like anybody could be slagged it was just like it was a real good show and they'd done it really well and to have it and in the, the theatre and everything else yeah it just yeah, builds you it up doesn't it just uh, brilliant I thought it was one of the the first year it happened and then the second year I thought just this is the way to go like you can you, you could show the Europeans or the, the you know, the way to do it. And <clears throat> the year all them world cars were there and Steve Perez and all them boys, they were blown away by the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was one of the great memories to be involved with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Top of all the rallies and that, those two things, the Manx and that driver's briefing for Donegal, which is probably a strange one, but okay. I really like it. Cool, cool. And finally, Eugene, yourself, like, like what, a, what a few years, like what is the one, what is the few things that stand out for you? Yeah, well, like as as the boys say, there's there's been so many of them. Um, you know, you'd imagine one in your first Donegal would stick out there, um, and it does. But it was you know overshadowed by a bit of controversy. The first time my championship was overshadowed. Um, but you know, it, it's the small moments that, um, and I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but it, sometimes it was the small moments just between Paul and I and small bit of an achievement or you know a stage win uh, which we were very lucky to have a lot of that we didn't expect you know that that magic moment where you come off the stage and you just took a blinder of time and we'd be looking at each other going where did that come out you know like like the rally in Cork in 2004 you know we just cleaned everybody by 15 or 20 seconds you just didn't know where it came out it was, 
that that warm feeling inside you that you just could drive that car through the eye of a needle. Um, you know, those, those were the celebratory moments that nobody else could experience, only me and Paul sitting inside. Because outside the car, you wouldn't get that. Everybody else can see the wins or the stage wins or the championship wins. But um, those were the things that I look back that, you know, I sit and watch it on board when I'm bored. I've done that. Look at it and go, shit, I remember that day. I know over that day thinking, oh, that car will do that and it'll do that, you know. Um, but like the, the celebratory moments with the team as well, I suppose, you know, the, the one in Donegal in 2005 where I couldn't believe I got it for a second time. You know, that was the special one uh, out of the, the three that we won. Charlie it, being there at the finish line, that to me I, is something very special. You just getting out of the car and you just leaping up and Charlie, that was, that. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house around watching that at that time, you know. So. Well, look, I mean, you know, to, as I say, what, what made that moment more special was the fact that it was the second time we won it. Clean, you know, no issues, drove the car well. Um, went good from day dot, like and um, won the rally. Um, you know that that was a very special moment. Um, and I suppose that that year as well. You know, the two the two thousand and six, sorry, the, the following year, the championship, the following year, three years in a row in an underrated car uh, with a team that we built from scratch with my friends with, you know, um, a limited budget in one sense, but. Um, you know, we were the underdogs and we'd won three championships. Um, people might say that the competition wouldn't have been as great as the golden era of, you know, Nesbitt and Fisher and McHale and even going back to Billy Coleman and Bonner and all those guys. But, you know, I think I can uh, hold my head up high. I think we can say that those three years, um, we created a massive awareness of the sport. Uh, RPM you know, followed us everywhere. We had great followers. We had great support. As you mentioned earlier, you know, the jackets were everywhere. You know, when you see the team name on a jacket and you're driving down the road on the man there, you can't go flipping hell, like, you know. Um, but to finish off those three years with, with three championships under our belt, um, you know, I, I, I remember being specifically proud of that day. I never thought that I would ever get another one, uh, let alone five of them. Um but that, that particular year was the end of the Corolla. And uh, I say that, um, that that probably is, is, you know, it's up there with the one or two highlights of that year. You know? And as I say, you know, we've, we enjoyed as much success as any of the greats in this country, you know. That's for the winners. There's one big moment to finish a superb weekend for Eugene Donnelly. Oh, that's brilliant. I got one on the street at the start. None can prepare me for this. This is absolutely brilliant. Just 42 seconds was the winning margin. That was <laughs> Eugene, Charlie and Paul. What can we say? Um, thanks to the lads. You know, it was gratefully appreciated. Like it was an awful lot of time out of their evening. Uh, I think they would still be sitting here yet if they got an opportunity. <laughs> The, the crack with Charlie, especially the jokes and the yarns and all that there, but the other two equally, equally, equally as good. Um, Connor, it was a pleasure, wasn't it, from our part? Uh, 
absolute pleasure. Uh, just you know, fantastic conversation, a fantastic night's crack. Um, what do you call it? Really enjoyed it. Reliving old times with 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 um, Eugene and Charlie. It, it was just great to listen. And as I say, you know, there, there's another you know couple of hours still to go somewhere. You know, with 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 the stories that they still have to tell. That's for sure. That is for sure. So that was episode 102, uh, the Donnelly Motorsport Special Part 2. So please like, share, subscribe, rate, all those things make a huge difference to the podcast. So until the next time, take care, speak soon, and bye.